Hi, welcome to Bolt for Life. I am Garrett Bolt, actor, personal trainer, former powerlifter, pro wrestler, and chronic pain thriver. Bolt for Life is a podcast about living with the challenges of chronic pain. Our goal is to acknowledge, inspire, and relate to people living with chronic pain. I believe it is not only possible to survive, but to live a full life and thrive with chronic pain. No matter where you are in your journey, our mission is to give you the information and inspiration that will help you become Bolt for Life. Today on the Bolt for Life podcast, we talk with Todd Dangler. Todd is a website developer and brand consultant, and he herniated his C6 while doing some CrossFit. So today he shares with us some information about his journey and how he's gone from power lifting to power tools. Welcome to the Bolt for Life podcast, Todd. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for stopping by. So can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? I can. Uh, <laughs> I am a uh, branding consultant and a website developer here in Wilmington. My website's yondershore.com. Father of two, stepfather to two. My wife is Abby McGee. Cool. So uh, I, a little bit uh, that I know about you is that you were a CrossFit trainer, correct? I was for a very short time, long enough to learn how not to warm up before giving a class. Yeah. That's pretty much how it went. Yeah. Spent four years training in CrossFit, got certified, taught a class, and blew out my C6. Oh, man. It was it was humbling. Yeah. It was, it was a humbling experience in my life. Yeah. So that was four years ago? That was, yep, it was about four years ago. Wow. Wow, man. Yeah. And that's, you know, uh, on the Bull for Life podcast, we talk a lot about injuries and um, ways to live with them and, and to be active and thrive and live a full life with them. But maybe could you tell us a little bit more about your background? Like what got you to that point in your life where you were uh, interested in CrossFit? What'd you do before that? I've always been sitting behind a desk building websites. Been doing it for 20 years. Wow. And I needed something different to work out. I needed, couldn't work out at home. Mm -hmm. I need that, that community. And uh, my friend Tony came in to where I was working. I was build, building websites and he was trying to get me all on board for CrossFit. And this was 2008, 2009. And I was a skeptic. I was like, eh, it sounds like a, sounds like a cult. Yeah, right. So I, I finally went into a CrossFit gym. It doesn't exist anymore here in town. And I was, I got the bug. And so I just found the next gym that was open and started going there and went there for a while and then went to, uh, to another gym for about four or five years and then built my own CrossFit gym in my backyard. And I've got, you know, all the kids are into it, so... No, they're not. That's a total lie. <laughs> My wife loves she loves CrossFit, mm -hmm. but she's not she's not into the whole hype of it. Mm -hmm. She's not into the yelling. Yeah. There's a lot of yelling in CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. So we put a little CrossFit gym in our in our shed in our backyard, and she works out there three days a week. My uh, my stepson is 14, 180 pounds, six feet tall. Wow, big kid. Back squat, 350. Nice. He's a monster. He's playing football next year at Hoggard, so mm -hmm. he's been working out like a champ back there. That's awesome. So 2009, that had to be around the time CrossFit was really just starting to get big. Yeah, yeah, it was. So I got into it. I got certified in 2014. Okay. And it was shortly after that, about a year after that, I took over one of my, my own class mm -hmm. at a gym. We were doing a uh, we were doing an AMRAP, which is as many rounds as possible for 20 minutes of 10 pull-ups, 10 overhead squats. That's all it was. Wow. So I demonstrated a strict pull-up and walked over to the bar, walked over to the bar, didn't do it with PVC. It was actually a load. Mm -hmm. And I demonstrated an overhead squat right out of the gate, wow. six o'clock in the morning. And I felt the pop. Mm. And I knew that I hadn't warmed up my hamstrings. I hadn't warmed up my lower back. So it was weird that it popped in my neck. And I came to learn about, you know, the posterior chain and mm -hmm. how everything is linked. And if, you know, if something's tight down low, it's going to look for a spot that's loose and it's going to grab it. Yeah. And I'm not a physiologist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a chiropractor. I don't know anything about the human body other than my own and what happened to me. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was because my lower body was tight. Yeah. You know, it's been, t it's taken a lot to to get back where I can surf because when you surf you're prone mm. and you're looking up and if you've got a C6 injury there's no looking up right it's pretty miserable yeah any injury is miserable but when you're sitting behind a desk 10 hours a day and you've got a C6 injury it's brutal yeah you can't hold your shoulders up yeah it's tough 
Totally, totally. I hear you, man. I'm sorry that that happened, and I, I can relate several different injuries. And my most recent one was a rotator cuff tear, you know, and it was the same thing. Like, I didn't warm up as much as I should. I was having trouble with my other shoulder, and I was just doing floor presses. I can't do regular bench presses anymore. And I was coming up and pop, pop, pop. And I completely tore two of the muscles of the rotator cuff oh and gosh. tore the other two. And, yeah, it's like that moment you just know, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. And if you've ever experienced it, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, man, so what's what's the recovery been like since that? The recovery has been great. About that time, I had left web development and got into working construction. Mm. It was a kind of a post-divorce type thing (laughs) yeah (laughs) i've been through one of those (laughs) kind of i kind of lost my mind for a minute there Mm -hmm. seemingly but i worked for a great guy um i'm gonna plug him right now randy black cool he's an amazing guy um but working for him injury was gone because i was moving i was picking things up the right way but i was picking things up right i was active and, you know, it's kind of like a hydraulic jack. If you don't ever use it, you know, it'll go bad. But if you keep using it, it'll stay working for a while. Yeah. Um, and it was just, you know, the, the pay wasn't near what it was building websites. Mm-hmm. So I had to put a pin in that dream and go back to building websites, which I love to do. Yeah. But it's, it's not you're not active for 10 hours. Right. You're sitting for 10 hours. After I went back, it was, the injury was back. The biggest, I have to say another plug, Keith Nelson, when he was, he owned Pork City CrossFit. Oh yeah. I went in there after the injury and he showed me six or seven movements, weighted movements, self-weighted movements that really helped Cool. The whole chain, the whole thing, hamstrings, butt, lower back, mid-back, and the C6. And it all came into, you know, just all just lined up. And you know, no amount of chiropractic did that. No offense to chiropractors. I love them. Yeah. They, do, they have a great purpose. But um, I went to a lot of chiropractors to get this right, and it was just me doing these six six or seven or whatever movements on a daily basis. And it took 15 minutes to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, do I care about myself enough to take 15 minutes to do this? It wasn't yoga. I didn't have any trance music playing. I didn't have any incense burning. But it probably would have been cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I took 15 minutes every day to just stretch it out the right way. And it... It gave it enough margin in the neck to, to I don't know if it's healed. I haven't had an MRI since the first one, mm-hmm. but I don't have the issues. That's awesome, man. And you look great. I mean, you know, the proof is in the pudding, right? Well, yeah, this is an audio thing, so nobody can tell if you're lying. But Right. <laughs> You'll have to take my word for it. <laughs> we'll have right to post on. some pictures, Brian. We'll tell our producer, Brian, about some pictures. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I remember like when... Um, uh, you know, the Arnold Classic, Arnold Schwarzenegger holds this big uh, convention every year. And it's, it's actually where I met my wife. Um, she was a figure competitor. I was there with my powerlifting buddies. But I think it was the year after we met, they like showcased CrossFit at the convention. And it was like, it was packed. You couldn't even get near the place. It was amazing. And that's the first I had heard of it. And um, I'm coming from a powerlifting background. I'm really a big fan of it in that. Um, that CrossFit incorporates a lot of the powerlifting moves, a lot of the Olympic lifting moves, a lot of just good hardcore calisthenics, get your heart rate up and, and kick some butt, you know. Um, I, I think it's an awesome thing. And I know, you know, some of the criticism of CrossFit, especially early on, was um, concerns for people getting injured. But I have seen, um, I've seen some great CrossFit people in Chicago where I'm from come and actually uh, hire some well-known powerlifters to work on their technique with certain things. I've heard of CrossFit coaches going to Olympic weightlifters and paying sessions to learn better techniques, you know. And uh, and on our show here, we're a big fan of Dr. Kelly Sturette, who uh, owns a CrossFit gym out in San Francisco. And he's written a couple of great 
books. One of them is Becoming a Supple Leopard, and it's a lot of mo- mobility type stuff, you know, that goes with the movement. But yeah, man, I mean, life is movement, right? You got to move. Yeah. yeah, and that's the that's the biggest thing that that I've learned. And it it doesn't matter how many how many back squats you can do at 400 pounds if you can't touch your toes, if you can't you know jump out of bed in the morning you got to think about your mobility. You got to think about your range of movement. You got to think about those muscles that you're working. Are they rock hard or are they like, like Dr. Kelly said, are they supple? Mm -hmm. And you want to keep them supple. My wife talks about this all the time. She talks about self care and that's just paying attention to what you need and taking care of that the right way. And you know, if you're stiff, don't overlook it. Mm -hmm. Don't go, I'm just getting old. You're not. You're just being lazy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's so true, man. It's so true. Spend a little time. Yeah, I I mean, like I I joke with some of my friends now is that I'm doing the stuff that I saw my friends that are ten years older than me, the stuff they were doing ten years ago, you know. And then and about half of my workouts now, my you know everything's changed. I'm sure you know with age, it things change. I have to find different ways to do things. I have to be more creative, um, but. Sometimes half of my workout is just doing mobility work, you know, depending on the day and what I need to do. But that keeps me walking, you know. Um, yeah. I've had teams of doctors tell me if I didn't do what I do, I probably wouldn't be walking. So, you know, it's good motivation to keep going. And like you said, taking care of yourself, man, that's that's the name of the game. Yeah, and that's the, the thing you, you have to um, – you always have to keep that in the forefront of your mind, whatever you're doing. You know, is this is this contributing to my quality of life or is it detracting from it? And, you know, you also have to know the mobility things to do specifically for what you're working on. Yes, you can do your, the general mobility workouts on a day-to-day basis. But when you step into that gym or you step into that workout room or wherever you're loading up, so to speak, you need to know what you're working out so that you can, so you can prepare those muscles for what's going to happen. Otherwise, injury. Yeah. And that's, you know, the big thing about, I've always thought of CrossFit gyms as churches. And it's pretty obvious where I'm going with this. If you go to a church, and I don't care if it's a just a, a, a community of people who believe the same thing. Could be a church, a synagogue, a mosque, whatever. But if the person leading you is, is leading you outside of the parameters of that faith kind of going off on their own a little rogue there's injury that's going to happen there's spiritual emotional injury that's going to happen when you buy into a false doctrine same thing with crossfit there are a lot of good crossfit gyms but there's a smattering of guys who just want to make money they don't know anything about physiology they don't know they don't care anything about warming up they just want to grunt and yell and tell people, you know, good job or, you know, setting PRs and being on social media telling everybody that, you know, one of their athletes did a really good job. Those people are getting injured because they're they're not trained right. And, you know, luckily for us in Wilmington, we've had really good CrossFit gyms. And the only athletes that are doing CrossFit in this town that are getting injured, this is really going to put a red flag in my reputation, mm-hmm. if I even have one. <laughs> um, they're not preparing for what they're doing. That's because the coaches in this town are great. Mm-hmm. I have to agree with you there. The owners set the precedent for a CrossFit gym. And each of the owners of CrossFit gyms in this town past and present they've known what they're doing and when they bring up a culture of trainers those trainers are expected to know what they're doing and you know so I haven't experienced a bad gym I've just been a bad athlete you know that's where my injuries came from just being a bad athlete yeah I mean I love the way um you compared it with the church. That's a perfect analogy. You know, I, I've heard really great things about the CrossFit gyms in town here. I've been down here about four going on five years. You know, the unfortunate thing 
I think with CrossFit around the country is investors realized, oh, you can open a gym and you don't have to buy all this big expensive equipment and we can charge people money and they'll come, you know, and they don't invest in the trainers. They don't invest in the quality people. And I think that's one of the problems that's happened with CrossFit. And you're so right. I mean, it's it's the owners and it's the trainers. It's the people running it and teaching, you know. Um, I always like to... um, when I give any fitness advice or workout advice, I didn't invent any of this stuff. You know, I, I have my own experience with it, but I learned it from somebody else. And, and I was fortunate to be around really great athletes uh, and great trainers. But, um, you know, that continual desire to keep learning, you know, and, and to keep and, and I see that with really good coaches. You know, I, I like that you brought that up. And, uh, and and I do think we're fortunate here in this area. We've got some really great people and great gyms. But, yeah, I mean, the, the people that think that, oh, I can this is, a, you know, cheap overhead and I can just get some grunts in here and we can just, you know, knock this out and charge people a monthly rate. And that's where the problems come in. You know, I, I, I and I, I hate to see that because um I hated the fact that I got hurt in a powerlifting competition because I competed 16 years at a pretty high level before that and never had a serious injury powerlifting. And I lifted in a small local competition where they weren't using the same equipment that we use at a national level. It was going to be a small warm-up meet that I was getting ready for nationals. And they didn't have the one or the hundred pound plates that we use, so the bars were the weights were closer to the end of the bar. They didn't have the same competition collars, and I did a deadlift and the collar came off and the weights came off and I broke a vertebrae, you know, and that was my responsibility. That was on me. I chose to go to that competition. And then even seeing the quality of the equipment, I chose to do that lift, even though in hindsight, I shouldn't have done that lift. I could have done my opener. I would have won the competition and I didn't have to do that lift, but my ego, you know, (laughs) reared his ugly head. And here we are today. (laughs) I get it. I had a, when you were, when you were saying that you, you saw the condition of the equipment, but you did it anyway. It reminds me of a, a story. I, I got a lot of stories that have nothing to do with what you're talking about, but they do. I gotcha. Love it. <laughs> um, about 15 or 16 years ago, I was in Costa Rica. Been there for about a month. And I was in Jaco, which is on the West Coast, and I needed to get a, a taxi to the airport early in the morning. And a, a guy I'd met there, he had to get the get the same flight out, so we paired up on a taxi, and I just walked up to any old cab and just said, hey, take us to San Jose. And this cab, it was awful. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I figured a red cab's a red cab. It's just great. Right. But it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't clean. It was, you can tell it was pretty old. You know, it was just... It was the the upholstery was soaking in cigarette smoke, and mm. you could smell all of the things that happened in that cab. <laughs> I can almost was, smell it now. <laughs> it's disgusting. But I was like, ah, we'll do it. Mm. So we get halfway up the mountain from Haco to San Jose, and it dies. Oh. The guy just it, it called the backup. You know, we made the flight by a skin of our nose, but you got to look at the equipment. Yeah, you got to look at the equipment before mm. you make a decision. And, you know, that sucks, dude. That, yeah. That just one little one little piece of equipment failure just ruined everything. Yeah. Maybe it ruined that, but I don't do you think it ruined, didn't ruin who you are now. It made you who you are now, right? Well, and, you know, that's the flip side of the coin, right? Um, you know, I always have struggled since um, I've had different injuries in, in training and powerlifting because... Prior to that, I prided myself on the fact that I had, I mean, I broke bones, I dislocated my shoulder rests and different things, but those were injuries from other sports. And I prided myself on the fact that I'd never been hurt powerlifting and lifting all this weight. And then once I had, I struggled a little bit going back into personal training and I wasn't training powerlifters specifically, but I, I, I struggled with that. Well, you know, what kind of an example am I? I hurt myself and here I am. And I made decisions that led me to this point. And you know, of course, the thing I've learned from that is I've learned from that, you know, and that's the value that I feel I have. Uh, the value in those experiences is that, you know, I, I've experienced that. I've learned from that. And now not only can I teach you what to do if everything goes right, but I know an awful lot about what to do if things don't go right, you know. And uh, 
uh, I'm not I'm not quick to learn those lessons. I'd rather learn them from someone else, you know, that that I find to be a much better way to learn those lessons. But um, but yeah, I guess it's kind of the same thing. Here we are through, you know, our experiences and where they brought us. Absolutely. I don't surf half as much, but I got a lot. I got a lot of projects at my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, dude, I bet the um, this is during the time of the pandemic with the coronavirus, and uh, I'll bet that home gym is totally paying off now. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, We're, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> well, we we had originally um, I had it set up in my garage, and it was just you know myself and my daughters living in that house. It was a tiny little twelve hundred square foot ranch house, and when I got married we had to convert the garage into a master suite. So where are my, where are my weights going? Yeah. So the weights went in the yard. Wow. And I had bumper plates. Bumper plates will never rust. Right, right. But your Oli bar will rust. It'll mm-hmm. rust quick. Yeah. So, um, and the squat rack rusted pretty yeah. quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had to figure out, you know, what to do with that. And so we, we just built a 12 by 14 shed and just put everything in there. Nice. That's just recent. I mean, we're still working on that thing. Yeah. yeah. The inside, we got the gym all set up, and we're working out like crazy in there, but the shed's not done. Cool. Have you named it yet? The shed? The gym, the j- shed gym? <laughs> no. No. No, we haven't named it. Okay, that'd be interesting. Let me know if you ever do that. <laughs> how, how has it been? I love to hear that, like, your stepson is training and your wife trains, and how has it been, like, getting your family involved in uh, training? Oh, there's... When it comes to Abby's kids, they're motivated on their own. My kids don't really care about that stuff. They're, I have daughters, and they're 9 and 12. Okay. You know, they're into, you know, riding bikes and yeah. stuff like that. They're yeah. not into into training. My my 11-year-old stepdaughter, she's not into training. Right, right. You know, um, she's a dancer, though. Oh, cool. And uh, my 9-year-old's a dancer. My 11-year-old is... A reader it's, that's that's her thing she Very reads cool. she's fantastic she's so freaking smart anyway mm-hmm. abby and my stepson they my stepson is motivated because he wants to be the best freshman football player the world has ever seen very cool he comes by that from his, his dad his dad is extremely motivated and i think he played football in college mm-hmm. so you know he's got that that drive that his dad has um and my wife's got killer drive you have to you have to you have to have drive to be a personal chef mm. oh no doubt you can't just sit around and wait for people to call you when you're a personal chef i imagine she has that drive that gets her up in the morning and gets her out in the gym she also has a really good trainer that mm. she does um she does the zoom training yeah she puts her phone up on the shelf and her coach coaches her and watches her form and stuff like that awesome coaches badass lara boyer she's a badass yeah i don't know if she does the exact same thing for all of her clients. Mm-hmm. I think she just gets to know her clients and, you know, comes up with a plan specifically for them. Yeah, that's you know? the way it should be, man, really. You can't get that in a group, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the CrossFit gym, but you get that community. Mm-hmm. And when you've got tailored workouts just for you, you lose a little bit of that community because it's just you. I think that one of the benefits of, that I loved about CrossFit going back to that is scaling Mm. you know you got somebody you can't you can't do the you know 300 pound deadlift that's in the workout Mm -hmm. well do what you can do what you can without mailing it in Mm -hmm. you know because when people scale it they're like oh I'm going to do 65 pounds don't talk to me yeah keep it honest (laughs) keep it honest (laughs) struggle yeah don't don't hurt yourself mm-hmm. but struggle that's part of becoming stronger is you know one of the gyms that i went to i can't remember which one it was but it had a big old sign on it that said better than yesterday nice that's all you got to be yeah yeah and and when we're when we're rehabbing injuries mm-hmm. we wake up in the morning and we you know a little self-assessment wiggle better than yesterday yeah means you did yesterday right mm-hmm. and you can do it again today which is better Right on. That right was on. a really big tangent. I, you know, I love to, and for people that aren't familiar with CrossFit, I heard you mention the PVC pipe earlier, um, and that in CrossFit and really any good, g- decent gym or coach um, will have alternatives to f- a regular uh, 
bar weighs 45 pounds. Olympic bars sometimes are heavier. Powerlifting bars are heavier. But not everybody can do a 45-pound bar, you know? So um, there's lighter bars and there's PVC pipe, which are literally for like beginners and people like that. Um, how did you work with people when you were doing some CrossFit training that had the limitations, like you talked about scaling or people with injuries, or how did you deal with that? Oh, I just, you know, if they had an injury, but they were there, first of all, right on. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm proud of you for showing up. Let's uh, let's see what we can do. You know, and I'll I'll have them, you know, put the PVC pipe over their head and do a, you know, kind of as a rule now. I don't like overhead squats. Mm. I don't like full snatches. I think that, um, you know, hang snatches, those are great. But the the toll that a that a snatch and an overhead squat puts on your back is unbelievable. Yeah. And you really have to know your body and you really have to be flexible to do a move like that. To do even to do a, a full clean, just a full squat clean, that movement, it's so dynamic. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, an athlete would come in and, you know, they got a shoulder injury or they got a low back injury or whatever it is, you have to know, number one, what you're working out that day. Not just that you're doing deadlifts or you're doing sumo deadlifts or you're doing high pulls or whatever you're doing. You have to know exactly what is involved in that. So if somebody's got a shoulder injury and you guys are doing thrusters, how about you do some weighted air squats? Mm-hmm. You know, let's not go overhead today. Yeah. You know, let's let's do some goblet squats. Maybe in between there, do some like bench push-ups where you just put your hands on the bench and just do some push-ups mm-hmm. just to just to get those shoulders moving. Yeah. But you're not going to load them up. You know, so you just say, you know, let's work the crap out of the body parts that are working. Mm-hmm. Let's kill it. Let's not aggravate an injury. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I um, I've talked before on uh, I have my something's better than nothing days. You know where I have something planned and it it's it's not happening. You know, but I reinforce the habit first of all of going to the gym, and then I've already gone through my warm up to assess where you know where how things are, how am I feeling, what can I do, what can I do, and at that point I've already done something's better than nothing. I, I've reinforced the habit. I've done some movement. I've identified some points. And even if I just end up doing some mobility work that day, well, I did that. And then I love what you said, a little bit better than yesterday, you know, and yeah. tomorrow's another day and, you know, keep on keeping on. I mean, I, I think that's the thing that so many people, even people without injuries miss in training is, um, you, you got to have a plan. You got to know where you're going. You got to know what you're doing, what you're working, connect with your body. And then, get a little bit better and get a little bit better and a little bit better. And then when you stagnate, then you have to change things up. You know, you have to right. do something a little different, you know. And I, I just backing up a little bit, too. I love that you mentioned the community in a CrossFit gym or having a virtual trainer or having some accountability or the fact that, you know, you, your wife and your stepson train. And just for me, man, that's the thing that's kept me going all these years is people, you know, the people around yep. me. And I, I need those people, whether it's my, my wife trains and, and she's competed in physique and figure and uh she's i've talked her into doing a few powerlifting meets but uh um you know our son is only seven so again he's pretty young but he does some martial arts and stuff and uh i think it's just it's a lifestyle right i mean that that that's the part that makes a difference so now your wife being a chef um do you mind if i ask like how you guys eat um your diet that sort of thing <laughs> uh we eat well uh, yeah we eat well um she's uh Without going too far in this, she's probably the best at her craft. That's I've awesome. ever. I mean, she's. Let me back up. She's really good at her craft, and I think she's the best. But the best thing about being married to a personal chef is now I appreciate food. Mm. I'm not just shoving McDonald's in my face. I'm not shoving McDonald's in my face at all. Just to be clear. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I can relate to that. That's cool. we when I eat her food, it is a full body experience. And, but we eat smart. Mm. I mean, she, what she cooks for people, she can cook anything really. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a, she's an amazing baker. So the food that 
that she prepares. Um, number one, she goes to, to Alchemy Ranch to get her her meats. She goes to the um, Port City Produce to get her vegetables. Nice. Um, you know, she she knows where the food came from. Yeah. And when you eat like that, you really can't put anything bad in your body. Yeah. Unless you know where the food came from and it's toxic. Right. But if, you know, if you've, if you have confidence in the farmer and you have confidence in the rancher, then, then you can have confidence, confidence in what you're eating. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's part of how we eat. Yes. We do have chips in the house. Mm -hmm. Yes. We do have Milano cookies, mm -hmm. um, but we're not stuffing our face with that stuff. Right. As a matter of fact, this month we decided to do whole 30. Oh, okay. Which is a totally different experience. Um, I love bourbon. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely love bourbon. And I love tacos. Mm. Bourbon and tacos. That's kind of my thing. That's your thing? <laughs> I'm going to plug satellite and block taco right now. Right. Oh, that place is awesome, by the way. I've been there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indeed. But Whole30, you're not eating any grain, no dairy, no sugar, and no booze. And it's been tough. It's been tough to... to to navigate that, even, even living with a chef, even, I guess, even as a chef, Abby made this, this, um, sausage egg casserole the other day. That was totally 100% whole 30. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's one of the things about, you know, you do what you can with what you got and she can. And so we eat really well. That was a long answer, but no, that's, we, that's really cool, man. I, I, I'm with you in that sense. When I was a power lifter, I ate, I ate to compete. I ate to weigh 270 pounds of muscle that, you know, and, and I did not eat nearly as well as I do now with meaning the quality of the food that I would eat. You know, well, when you're uh, training, you're burning all that toxic stuff off. Though, yeah. Aren't you? you can get away with more. You know, I, I, I think that's definitely the case. And even, um, my wife and I, before we had our son and I was still doing powerlifting, uh, but just bench press meets and, uh, she was still competing figure and we could get away with tons, you know, and she's a nurse practitioner, but she's really passionate about nutrition. And when we had our son, things started to change and he had some developmental issues and we decided to go organic and gluten-free to give him the best chance or, and, uh, and he's doing great. He's doing phenomenal, but we figured the best way to do that would be for us to also go organic and gluten-free. So that's been a whole huge challenge for me. It was a process for me to get there, but, um, but yeah, man, I think that's the basic rule. Like if, you know, you put good stuff in your body, it, you get good results, you know? I mean, it hate to be cliche, but, you know, you are what you eat, you know? I mean... <laughs> it's true. But the other thing is, is you have to know your body to know what's right to eat. Not everybody's different. Absolutely. You respond to grain different than I do. Mm -hmm. If I eat a peanut, my neck hurts. Mm. And it's not psychosomatic. I've tested it. Right. Uh, I don't know if I can test it on myself. Yeah, like we call it an elimination diet. You introduce things back into your body. And that's another thing, like... If you're an athlete and you're training and you're doing, you know, those dynamic movements, whether you're playing football, basketball, powerlifting, whatever it is, if you have to move and you have to do those quick, quick twitch muscles mm -hmm. and you're eating something that's causing inflammation in your body, that muscle is going to be inflamed. The joints around that that are holding your parts together are going to get inflamed and you're going to get hurt. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, it all, it all comes down to... Um, what you put in your body and how, how aware you are of yourself. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just another, on, on this podcast, we talk probably every episode about resistance training and the benefits of it, you know, or just, just encouraging people to move and especially people with, you know, chronic pain and injuries and disease. But I think, you know, there's so much value in doing those motions, doing those movements and being in touch with your body. Like we're talking about, you know, I mean, I, I feel like that's one of the biggest, one of the biggest assets that resistance training has given me throughout the years, whether I was powerlifting or body sculpting or whatever you want to call it. Um, just being able to walk is giving, putting me in touch with my body. When I do know, like if I eat something that's going to flare me up a little bit, I, I can feel that more. And I, I think the more you train, the more in touch you are, you know, that mind body connection. Yeah, man, that that's that's a great point. Very cool, man. It's it's uh, 
it's really great to connect with you. And what do you see uh, going forward? Now, I know you said you're sitting a lot now. And it's so interesting to me in your story that working construction, your neck felt better. You were moving, you were doing stuff. And then you went back to web design and the neck flared up. And, you know, I've, I've heard the saying that uh, sitting is the new smoking, you know, and I I'll mean, buy that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I'll wear that T-shirt. It's, yeah, it's tough, man, because like um, even these last so many months, uh, me, my wife and my son have been on our devices more. We've been home more. We're not doing our normal stuff. And. Uh, it does. I, I notice a difference. I've got an old football injury in my neck, nothing like yours, but um, but it flares up on me that I'm not doing the things that I was doing. I'm not being able to go to the gym and do those things. Um, so yeah, I notice a difference. So how do you uh, kind of balance out that, that sitting? Uh... You see my backyard, you know what I do with my free time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we had a, um, when I moved into this house, it had a 14 by 20 workshop with a seven foot ceiling small can't work out in that you can't yeah. work out in a, with a seven foot ceiling. no no overhead so that's, presses <laughs> yeah you can do all you know if you have a shoulder injury that's the best you know, right right that's the best way to keep you in check <laughs> seven foot ceiling that's a good t- tip of the day if you have yeah. a shoulder injury work out in a room with a seven foot ceiling you won't be doing shoulders <laughs> that's right and that's why we had it in the garage so when we had to relocate it I was like, well, we're building. And so I took that project on myself, all by myself, no help. And that's the best part because I'm moving. Mm. I get up in the morning and I go, you know, maybe make some cuts, get some things right, get ready Mm -hmm. for for what's going to happen after work. And then at 5.30, I clock out and I go to the backyard and I put those things together. Not only does it refocus my brain to all of the things that are happening in life to just this is three and a half inches i need to cut it Mm -hmm. you know this way and it's a strange cut i gotta cut around this thing so i gotta do this i gotta make sure that it's on center i do there are so many things that are for one thing that your thought is moment to moment this has Mm -hmm. to be exactly right it's very intentional and that's the one thing i love about building the one thing I love about it, I, I set tile a couple times. Oh, cool. And when you're doing things like that, people call it like manual labor or whatever. You can call it whatever you want to. I call it freaking zen, dude. Yeah. yeah. When you're when you're setting tile, especially if you're doing a, a, a strange shaped room and they want it, they want these 12-inch tiles oh, cut yeah. that, done diagonal. Yeah, yeah. And you've got all these strange cuts you got to make. you got to be very aware. You can't, you can't flake out. Yeah. Because if you do, you're going through materials. Yeah. And it's costing you money. Yeah. So when I'm building these sheds or building a deck or building a storage thing for the kids' bikes, whatever I'm doing, I'm focused. Focused, absolutely. Number one, I'm focused on what I'm doing. I'm not thinking about regrets or any of that crap, mm-hmm. that that toxic negative crap that we get in our heads. Yeah. When I'm doing this stuff, that's, that's gone. I don't have time to think about stuff like that. It doesn't even enter my mind. And then you're lifting you know, these four by eight sheets of three quarter inch plywood up onto a roof by yourself. Yeah, that's work. My stepson helped me with, my stepson helped me with that part. I can't say I did all that on my own, but, um, you know, when you're lifting things and you're, you got to put things in a high place and you got to work on balance and you're doing all of these things and swinging a, a, a hammer, a framing hammer, you know, your body's moving. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's my big hobby right now is building stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Um, because I'm moving yeah. and I'm not thinking about anything. Yeah. My my self-talk is so good mm-hmm. when I'm doing the things that I enjoy. That's awesome. Kind of yeah. almost like a mindful kind of experience, I would say. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I can totally relate to that. And that, and the satisfaction of having created something, the, the creative part of it. You that's, know? <laughs> that's pretty That's cool. the big benefit. <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, doing a project like this shed that we're building is um, it's built but it's kind of like reading a really good book. Mm. You get to that last chapter, and it takes you about six weeks to read that last right. chapter because you don't want to get to the <laughs> end of right. it. So we're right now we're working on taking it over the finish line. I spent this weekend um, cleaning up the, the original shop because every time I went in there to get a tool, I was like, I can't find anything in here. Mm. So I spent a day and a half just completely organizing that thing. Oh, and awesome. now you talk about that zen place Mm -hmm. 
I got distracted like four times today working. I just couldn't get my mind into the game. So I walked into the backyard, walked into the shed and looked into the old shed. And I was like, oh, this feels so good. (laughs) This feels really good. And then I went back inside and I had my mind right. Nice. And I did what I needed to do. Yeah. You know, and that's part of the creative process, though. I think that the creative process has is a full body experience. You have to have a good night's sleep. You have to, you know, not be in pain. So you got to take care of yourself. You got to have a full belly. I've never written a song or, you know, come up with a logo or anything on an empty stomach. And, you know, you've got to be in a, in a place where you're you like yourself. You know, yeah, there are a lot of creative people out there who don't like themselves. But the the stuff that I create, you know, I like myself. I gotta be pretty good, feel pretty good about myself, and not in a cocky way. Mm-hmm. But when you lose sight of that, you gotta go to your last accomplishment, the last thing that made you feel good about yourself. Go sit there for a minute if you're feeling down. That's why I was walking out to that shed. That was the last big accomplishment that I did. <laughs> it's not much. It's for myself. But when you're there, you're creative. You're motivated. You're taking care of your body. You're taking care of your spouse. You're taking care of your kids. Your business is thriving because you take care of your clients. It's because you're you're creating, but you're also positioning yourself to be healthy. If you just jump out of bed and go to work, you're not preparing yourself for the day. If you just jump into the gym and start deadlifting, you're not preparing yourself for the day. I try to prepare myself for the day. I'm not a guru at it. I'm not consistent. But I know when I haven't. I know when I haven't prepared. I can tell. And I can tell when I have prepared. Yeah, man. Oh, that that's great. And I I, I think what you said can apply to anybody, you know, um, whether they have chronic pain or injuries or disease or anybody that might be listening to this and the creative process that you described and the feeling of well-being, for lack of a better word, or, or being, for me, being right with the world and with myself, you know, when I do things right. And and like you said, I don't always know when I get it exactly right, but I do know when I get it wrong and then I can learn from and then things can go a little better. And this podcast has kind of been um, a creative process for Brian, the producer, and I throughout um, one of my major surgeries. And this was a nice thing for me to work on after that. And it's been a great thing where I get to meet cool people like you, you know, and have oh, interesting conversations and share some cool things that work for people, you know. And uh, it sounds to me like you got some really cool things that are working for you. I do. I just got to keep doing it. You know, sometimes you get cocky. And you go, ah, I'm feeling good today. You know, I think I'll just, I'll just mail it in today. <laughs> sometimes you need a rest day. But if you're going to rest rest that's that's something that my wife gets on me about you know if you're gonna rest rest Mm -hmm. otherwise do the thing but don't you can't play both sides of the coin you know you you can't have a rest day and then try to be productive Mm -hmm. because you want to rest and your body's not into it and you're gonna get hurt or you're gonna do a really bad job at whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. so just take a rest day yeah that's just been a big lesson for me um my surgeries and chronic pain and I have a spinal cord stimulator implanted and all these different things that are to help me with the pain and the constant pain and and the issues I deal with. Um, but there's no replacement for rest. You know, I mean, it's such, such a big deal. And I've had to go to the point of like with my wife and my son and I, I'll schedule my rest time, you know, like, well, I'll, I'll set the timer. I'm going to go lay down for 20 minutes. You know, I'm going to put my music on I'm gonna lay down I'm gonna chill out you know and um you know and that that's what I've learned I can't give away what I don't have you know if I if I'm burnt out and I'm spent and I'm in pain and I'm angry I'm not gonna be able to give my son the attention and the love that he needs you know I'm not gonna right. give my wife the attention and love that she needs you know that's exactly the rest part is one of the biggest things I struggle with you know is you know, going from when we were talking before the podcast where I used to work in construction, I had a day job, then I was modeling, acting, I was personal training, I was doing all three jobs. And, you know, eventually I crashed and burned, you know. Right. <laughs> um, but I, that's kind of my default is, well, I'm just going to do more, you know. <laughs> and uh, I have definitely uh, suffered from, from overdoing it, no doubt. Well, I think we all have, whether you're 
whether it's physical burnout, mental burnout, that's life. Mm. Everybody gets burned out. Mm. But I think that, I don't know. I think our culture takes, takes it when you burn out as the end. Mm. I think they take it all the way to the extreme. And so if you're having a hard day, it's the, you know, you may as well just quit and do something else instead of just going, yeah, this is a hard day. Mm. Yesterday wasn't hard. And I think I've had a hard day before and didn't kill me. Like you said, take your experience, all of your experiences, when you're having those moments and reflect on them and realize you have learned. Mm. You have learned from that experience. You just got to remember that you learned. So when you're having that hard day, your back hurts, your knees hurt, when your heart hurts, whatever it is, go back to those learning experiences and go, how did I get through this before? You know, like you said, grow from it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I I like your reference though. Going back and looking at the the clean workshop, man. The clean organized workshop, like just Heck even yeah. something today I accomplished before, you know. Or that, I I love that. That's a great uh, recharge. I'm going to use that. That's just like it's just like washing your truck, driving this old truck around. And you're like, ah, it's a piece of crap. I want to get a new truck. I'm going to get it cleaned up before I sell it. And then you wash it and wax it and put some armor all on the leather. And, like, oh my God, nobody's, I'm, I'm keeping this thing. By the time you're done, you're right? <laughs> yeah, man. That's so true too. You know that feeling after you've, when you're t- taking about a month or two off of just really hard working out, just kind of been taking it easy on yourself for a while. And then you okay, today's the day. Mm-hmm. And you do, you have a really good session. You warmed up really well, done. And you feel that it's not pain but you're not comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then you wake up in the morning and you're like, this isn't, this isn't chronic pain, but this is the kind of dis- discomfort that I want to be chronic. Right. Right. I want to feel like this. I, I want to be a little sore. Yeah. You know, Yeah. I think th- that's that feeling that we always go back to that, that feeling where it's just, just a little bit uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but you're not in pain. Yeah. The good pain. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, man. Definitely. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. How long did you do ceramic tile? Uh, 16 years. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah. I left. I left. I was in a foreman's position. And, um, you know, I went back to work a couple of years, but I was a working foreman. I worked with the tools. So, um, yeah, it got to be where um, I couldn't even be on my feet, let alone my knees for eight hours. Yeah. And uh, eventually... Um, and it, it gave me the opportunity to go into a personal training full time where I had more control over my schedule and um, was in a great area up in Connecticut, Greenwich, Connecticut. And uh, then I worked in Ryan, New York, personal training and uh, met some great people, you know. And but, you know, it's it's interesting, like we were talking about, had um, that not happened, the injury that would not have led me to getting out of the tile business and that would not have led me to going uh meeting my wife and moving to the East coast, you know, and, and right. meeting these amazing people. And then eventually having a son and moving down here and meeting more great people. It's, it's interesting to look back on that and just kind of see how, how everything's connected a little bit. That's know? right. That's that looking back for the experience. It's not the looking back at the regret. Right. You know, those books, those choose your own adventure books. Yeah. Yeah. You know, turn to page 12 or turn to page 47. You know, one thing you don't do with those books is go back and, I mean, you do it. Everybody does right, it. Yeah. You go back and read, yeah, oh, right. what happened? <laughs> yeah, what did I miss over here? That would have been, was I gonna, am I going to be rich and famous? You know, like you said, you know, that injury brought you to a new place. And it, it, you, you had to have a new mindset. You had to have a new way of looking at life and, and rolling through this life. And by doing that, you met, you weren't, doing tile when you were you injured when you met your wife i had had one fusion and was getting ready to have my second fusion actually when i met her when i actually had the horrible accident yeah so trying to put the timeline together yeah yeah so it was yeah that was she actually um we were dating long distance we met in columbus at the arnold and she was from new york i was from chicago and had to have the surgery and so literally within the first three months of our relationship she was out here I was in the hospital in intensive care for eight days with a drain in my spine. And, um, and she never went back to New York until we went back together three months later. Wow. So yeah, that was kind of a, 
um, miracle grow for the relationship, you know. Right. (laughs) But, um, yeah, thank thank God for it. You know, it's uh, amazing to have a a great partner. And I have to admit, we've referenced this before, it doesn't hurt that she's a nurse practitioner with extensive medical knowledge (laughs) because uh, (laughs) she's helping to hold me together. (laughs) Right on. But she understands the physiology about the whole thing, and she's like, okay, he's hurting. He's not faking it. Yeah, no, she's she's been she's been awesome, honestly. Um, and for us to be able to to grow in our relationship and um, and and work on all aspects of it, you know, including the chronic pain, and we talk about it, it technically and in many parts of our story, she's been my caregiver, you know, and what they go through on the other side of chronic pain, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, I think it's important to look at all of that. And so we've worked really hard in the podcast to have um you know licensed clinical therapists on here we've had oh, medical cool. professionals on here we've had um one of my old mentors and idols eddie Cohn, who is a world famous power lifter and we've been able to do all that and all of us kind of share our own personal experiences like you and i are doing today you know wow. kind of feel honored to be oh, in that well, hey man we're honored in that crew you. that's you know, pretty amazing you, you've shared some awesome stuff with us today todd and uh, i really appreciate that i can totally connect with where you're, where you're coming from and whether I did powerlifting, you did CrossFit or it doesn't matter. You know, I feel like the message that you shared today is pretty universal. You know, I think I've migrated from CrossFit and powerlifting to power tools. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it though, man. It's that, that creative stuff. And that's, we want to encourage people with injuries or disease to get out and do something, find something, move, move. man. Yeah, for sure. Right on. Yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Well, Todd, we really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for being appreciate on the Bull for Life podcast. Hope to have you back again. I want to hear how the, the garage comes out, the workout shed. Yeah, <laughs> i have you over. Right on. Thanks a lot, Todd. Appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you took away as much as I did from uh, my talk with Todd. Todd really took the injury and the pain that he suffered, and he found a way to put it into being constructive and building and creating with it. And for that, Todd Dangler... You are Bolt for Life. We appreciate you listening to Bolt for Life. Our goal is to help you or anyone that you might know to live and thrive with chronic pain. And you can help us out by subscribing or giving us a review on iTunes or anywhere else that you hear Bolt for Life. If you guys have any ideas, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at info at boltforlife, B-U-L-T-F-O-R, life.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Bolt for Life. Thanks again. This is Garrett Bolt for Bolt for Life.